Blog Talk Radio. Divey's Late Night, Glam More, Fear Less. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue, but I, I think I'm pretty with these old boots on. It's funny when I drink too much You try and change me You can go to hell Cause I don't wanna be Nobody else I like the chip I got In my front teeth And I got bad tattoos You won't believe So pick out the jam, pick up the soul Pour another glass of that rock and roll Turn up the band, find the whole Gonna lose control tonight What do you want from me? I'm not Because I'm ready to welcome you to May's Divey's Late Night Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and tonight we're talking about body image and diabetes with musical inspiration from L. King. That song was off her new album, Love Stuff, courtesy of Sony Music. Hey, do you ever feel like you, your body, and your diabetes are on opposite teams, or like the scale has more authority than your therapist or doctor? Well, no one should be a slave to their scale, dress, or pant size. That's why I don't think changing your body image is necessarily about changing your body. It's actually about changing your mindset, which is what we're talking about tonight. Maybe it's time that you discover and challenge and reset the beliefs that are holding you back from being unapologetically you in today's perfect, perfection-obsessed society. Our musical inspiration, Al King, believes you really you can't really love another person or be in love unless you love yourself. We wholeheartedly agree with her and hope her songs tonight off her Love Stuff album, which is a collection of bluesy rock pop featuring the hit song X's and O's, inspires you to love yourself a little bit more just the way you are. Hey, joining me on tonight's Diabetes Late Night Podcast are poet Lorraine Brooks, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, Ginger Vieira, Asher Brown, Dr. Lori Shemek, Mama Rosemarie, and Style Boomer founder Catherine Schuler. Now, before we get things started, why don't you take a minute and donate to Divabetic at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Does L. King love herself? She, sh- she says she's not a size two, she's not skinny, and she's not tall, but she's proud of who she is. She's not going to change herself to fit another person's standards or try to please another person. She was born with this body, and she believes that it's okay to be who she is. And she feels with all her heart that you, until you're able to accept the love of yourself, you're not able to love someone else. Let's hear another song from our diva inspiration for May, L. King.
Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on our Facebook page. Go to Divabetic either in our group or fan settings, and let me know what you think of our show. Or, hey, how about our dazzling form of diabetes outreach? This weekend, Saturday, May 14th, from 11 to 3 p.m., I'm going to be at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia. We'll be talking about kidney disease and prevention. I'll have some fun new workouts. A healthy lunch will be served. We're going to have a panel discussion with experts around kidney disease and the gift of life, as well as our first ever Va 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 Vision Eyewear Fashion Show presented by Katherine Schuler. You can get more details about this fun and fabulous program at divabetic.com. Org. You know, tonight we're talking about body image and diabetes, you know, and superstar Melissa McCarthy recently mentioned that 70% of women in the U.S. are a size 14 or above, which is which unfortunately those women are technically labeled plus size. Melissa says that's a strange term to use to classify the majority of women, and in her opinion, it sends a message that you're not really worthy. What do you think of the term plus size? I'll be talking to my guests later on about this, but why don't you let me know your opinion right now on our Facebook page or call into the show at 347-215-8551. Now it's time to meet my very first guest. She's the lady of the pen, the mistress of inspiration. Please welcome the lovely Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Lorraine. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm good. I was queuing our studio audience, and they were, you know, busy in the green room. So, uh, oh no, I was, I was wondering why they weren't warmed up sufficiently <laughs> to give me my applause. You know, Lorraine, I'm so thrilled to work with you every month, and I'm not the only person who works with poets. Uh, Beyonce recently came out with her new album, Lemonade, and you know, uh, throughout that visual album, there are interspersed. A spoken word by an up-and-coming poet from London. I'm wondering if you heard any of it and what your feelings were about it. Actually, Max, I have not heard that. This is news to me, but you know what? I'm going to watch out for it now. I love spoken word, and I love that people are including spoken word um, in in their uh, artistic endeavors. I'm going to look for it. Well, this woman is 27 years old. She's Somali British poet War Song Yi, who is uh, in 19. In, I'm sorry, in 2014, she became London's first young poet laureate, and she has a residency at the House of Parliament. So you might want to check that out. I certainly. I, I've will. been enjoying it, and I thought for sure you might have. Uh, I know you're always on the QT with everything. I thought you'd probably be up on that. <laughs> All right. Well, well this I'm is a topic tonight sure. that you and I have talked about before: body image. Uh, and diabetes, and you know, headlines everywhere about uh, the Sports Illustrated covers that came out earlier this year having plus size models, or what would be classified as plus size. Uh, I don't like to use that term, but women with curves on the cover of Sports Illustrated. What were your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Max, I, I, I maybe I'm just getting too old. For, I'm, I'm just so over it. I mean, uh, you know, you have a body, and that's your body, and why should you feel any? any way about it one way or the other it is what it is and I, i'm glad that people are, are becoming more comfortable I, I saw that you had posted on facebook um a picture of a formerly pregnant person with her um, stretch marks and everything and i think it's wonderful i don't think that you need to be ashamed of anything um life is what it is no, that's interesting. That was a picture of Kendra Wilkinson, who was a former Playboy centerfold. Uh, you know, she has a reality star now, and she, for Mother's Day, she did a selfie of herself 
um, showing her stretch marks from having uh, her two children. And, and it was all in honor of Mother's Day and so happy about the gift she her, she was given with her children. And she wanted she probably wanted to show that. And it is kind of interesting that she chose to do that. I, I think it was brave. You know, in today's kind of airbrushed, uh, obsessed society, it is amazing to see a photo like that. And later on I'll be talking to new mom, Ginger Vieira, about it as well. Well, you know, I, I I hope for the day that we won't have to describe things like that as being brave. You yeah, know, I mean, nice? she's she's a woman who's had two children, and people who have had two children have stretch marks. You know, and and I hope that one day we won't have to look at that and say, oh my God, she's brave. You know, to show her stretch marks. Um, I don't think there's anybody who's had children who doesn't have stretch marks. Well, now give one more question. What did you think about the Barbie switching sizes? You know, this year they released a whole string of new Barbies. And actually, when I was in Paris, I went to see the Barbie exhibit at the Louvre, and they were showing how Barbie has changed or modified throughout the years. But this past year was probably the biggest modification where they introduced uh, different Barbies in different skin tones and different sizes. I think it's great. I think, uh, you know, I, I remember reading something years ago that if Barbie were an actual human being, that her waist would be like 12 inches or something. I mean, you know, her proportions were always um, unrealistic. So I think that it's wonderful. I think people come in all sizes and shapes and, and you know, um, uh, life should reflect that. And, and, and <laughs> even toys should reflect that. Why not? And how do you think your body image affects your diabetes? Oh boy, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, hmm. I, I you know I, I don't know that I can separate any of it. I mean, it's all me, you know, and it, it is who I am, and it's it, you know, I struggle with both things. Um, so I, I'm not sure that I can really separate it. I think one affects the other, and the other affects the one, and. Uh, you know, it's a daily. Um, it's a daily. I don't want to use the word struggle. It's not a struggle, but it's a daily reality. And um, uh, yeah, I've had it for so long. I don't know that it's even. You know, it's just something that I live with. I, I don't even know that I can. I, I can't really separate it. It's just me. It's part of me, and and that's how I deal with it. Do you ever feel that you have to explain yourself or kind of, uh, you know, feeling like you're being judged on either one of those topics? Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. No, I, feel I, like would, people I would think a lot of our that, listeners but feel that way. And you're, but you're so strong and confident, Lorraine. I just wonder, how do you handle it? Like, where do you get your inspiration from or where do you find, you know, how how do you tackle that? Because I know there's listeners out there who also would you know would say they struggle day to day too and I'm and I just see you as such a strong wonderful woman and such a life force and you're so creative I, I I'd love to have you share some of your inspiration with our listeners well um someone told me a while ago that what I needed to do was to get my opinion of myself in line with other people's opinions of me so my job was to listen to what other people say about me and and try to believe it, you know, because what you just said, um, you, when you were saying it, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, who's he talking about? But you're talking about me. So I have to um, understand that people see me in a particular way, and it may or may not be the way that I see myself, 
But what I've started to do is listen to what people say, you know, when they say that they like this or that, or they say that I do this well, or they say that, you know, they like how I look, or they say that, you know, whatever it is, to take it in and, and not deflect it right away. You know, when people give you a compliment and you have a tendency or I have a tendency to say, oh, you know, pish tush, that's not true or, you know, but it is true. And so I think if you listen to, to what people tell you and you try to filter out the negative because there are always going to be people who detract from you no matter who you are. So I think if you can just take the positive parts and, you know, kind of try and incorporate them into, into who you are and what you do, you, you'd be much better off. So that's what I try to do. And thank you for the compliment. Well, I think that's wonderful advice. I hope our listeners take you up on that. I think it's fabulous. And now... I'm dying to hear your newest poem written for Diabetes Late Night, which we'll be sharing on our blog and Facebook pages tomorrow. Well, since you are talking about bodies and body image, the name of my poem is Nobody's Business. I'm always ambivalent. I'm up and I'm down. My body's not stick thin. It's soft and it's round. I have diabetes, but it's not got me. I'd rather be happy than be a size three. My life's filled with needles and lancets and stuff, and what the scale says is frustrating enough. I test my blood sugar so I don't have to guess, and I make weekly trips down to my CVS. I keep track of numbers that others don't know, and when I'm not happy, I try not to show. I cherish my body. It's all I possess. And maybe I don't look like you in that dress. Or maybe you secretly want all my curves and wish you could say it, but haven't the nerve. I'm fine in my skin and I don't have to fake it. But when I'm not happy, I still know I can make it. No body is perfect. No body can be. No body can operate all perfectly. So be happy and cheerful and try not to fret because this is the only body you're going to get. Over or under, short or tall, big or little, embrace them all. So be proud of your body, no matter your lot. It's nobody's business which body you've got. I love that poem, and so does Debbie, who just on Facebook said, you go, girl, to to tell you that. Right now I'm chatting with someone on Facebook. Thank you, Debbie. Who's listening <laughs> to the show. Uh, I, You know, you always tell people you write these poems at the last minute. Uh, this is a topic you and I have talked about before. Where, where did the inspiration come from? Because this is a, such a wonderful poem that you shared tonight. Well, um, I, I wrote it about two hours ago, but because that's how I write. But um, it was partly the picture that you posted on Facebook of of the person with the uh, showing her stretch marks. It was partly, you know, sixty something years of living, you know, being myself, and just being tired of of having to feel like, you know, I need to apologize for something. I don't need to apologize for anything, and maybe that's what age does for you. I'm not sure. <laughs> You know, because when I was 30, I worried about those things, too. But now life is too short. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving it all back. When people give it to me, I, I give it right back. I love it. Well, thank you for being a part of the show, and thank you for sharing the inspiration tonight. Thank you, Max.
All right, well, coming up, I'll be talking to diabetes advocate and new mom, Ginger Vieira, about her newest project, Pregnancy and Diabetes, a a month-by-month guide. And we'll also get her thoughts on body image in pregnancy and diabetes. I can't wait to find out what she thinks of Kendra Wilkinson's selfie as well. Now, um, first, we're going to hear another song from Elle King, whose major musical influences include Otis Redding, Al Green, Aretha Franklin, and yes, Dolly Parton. Let's hear another song. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. You're listening to Diabetes Late Night with our musical inspiration, Al King, tonight. Our lineup of women is fabulous. I'm so excited to have all of them on the show tonight. My next guest is an amazing diabetes advocate. She's the editorial director at Diabetes Daily, which is a wonderful resource you should all check out. And she's the author of three helpful books, including Dealing with Diabetes Burnout, Your Diabetes Science Experiment, and Emotional Eating with Diabetes. Plus, she's hoping to have a new book coming out about pregnancy and type 1 diabetes. Personally, I have to say I love the way Ginger sheds light on issues related to managing your diabetes, and I think she takes on the topics that are so often overlooked in our community. Can you tell I'm excited? Please welcome Ginger Vieira. Hi, Ginger. (laughs) Hi, Matt. Great intro. Thank you. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. It was a good one. Oh, I bet. Because what is this, your second one? Uh, yes. But the, as the first one, I had, like, just barely given birth. So this one I could, you know, relish it a little more. Great. Well, you know, uh, Diabetes Daily has such a huge audience. I mean, you boast over 300,000 followers in FB. I'm wondering if you ever get a lot of comments about this, body image and diabetes. Have they talked about this a lot before in your community? Uh, you know, I think that's definitely a topic we should talk about more. We've had um, several articles, though, written by and interviews with one of your guest leaders, Sunny Asha Brown, um, related to body image and eating disorders. So that's the angle we've approached it, and they're definitely popular. There's certainly not a lack of a need for that conversation. Well, you know, like, let's look at you, though. You were a power lifter for years. You actually are a very successful power lifter. A lot of, you know, Serena Williams, Martina Navratilova, a lot of women get beat up for being too masculine. So oh, yeah. I'm curious to know, like, where your body image was back then. I, I know uh, some things have changed for you with motherhood, but I'm just, you know, how did you feel about having diabetes and also being kind of more muscular than maybe a lot of the men in the room? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was powerlifting, my back was too broad to fit into, like, dresses that should have fit me in other, like, it was technically my size, but it didn't fit my back, you know what I mean, because of the muscles. I had definitely been called a female Arnold Schwarzenegger at one point, and just for those listening who don't know me, I was not, any, you know, like, I'm not a professional bodybuilder. I just had more muscle than the average girl. Um, and it was, you know, it's at one point I just had to decide, like, I love this sport and I love building muscle. So I have to embrace the body that comes with doing this sport. And that is a more muscular body. I'm not a little fancy female. 
today I've lost 30 pounds. I don't powerless anymore. I've lost all that muscle. So it's a totally different story. And that was also an adjustment. It's about just like really accepting what I'm choosing to do and, and appreciating my body for what it's capable of. Yeah. I mean, but there, it sounds like there were a couple of times when you did feel like you were on opposite sides with it, right? Because just from the comments and the stares you were getting. Oh, I mean, I, I always, I had to make a decision early on when I started lifting uh, to embrace the muscle, but it definitely was something that was constantly being brought to my attention that I looked different from all my friends. Um, And so, you know, absolutely. I have to remind myself, like, I don't care if I look different. I can lift 300 pounds off the ground. That's awesome, and I'm proud of that, and you're not going to make me feel ashamed of that just because I don't look like a Barbie doll. Right. Now I hear your child crying behind you, so I want to talk about this Kendra (laughs) Wilkinson. You know, she posted that selfie. You heard Lorraine talk about it. I I sent it to you earlier today. It was all in honor of Mother's Day. I mean, here's a former Playboy Centerfold, who was probably yeah. airbrushed within an inch of her life back in the day, uh, kind of yeah. giving the showing the the true side of motherhood. What did you think of that photo? Um, I thought it was refreshing. I wish I had seen it a year ago because when you when you are pregnant and you're like tuning into all the things on the internet about pregnancy, all you see are those women that are like, "Look, I gave birth yesterday and I have a six pack," and when that doesn't happen to you, you're like, "Man." Like, too bad for me. There must be something wrong with my stomach. And, you know, and then three months, six months later, you still don't have a six-pack like so-and-so. And so so it's just nice to see Kendra being honest about what your body really does look like after pregnancy. Yeah, because there is a lot of pressure from these celebrities, including Beyonce, Jessica Simpson, to kind of bounce back immediately. Right, and you know they're really not. You know there's a lot of other stuff going on there, but they try to claim that they are and that it's all natural. It takes it takes like a year for me to like be like, oh, yeah, that's my stomach. I recognize my stomach now. You know, it really takes a long time. And so we all end up with all this pressure to feel like we have to look perfect in three months. And it's not, it's not real life. And it's really well, nice. Well, when you add to it managing type 1 diabetes, so now how did that factor into the whole thing about, you know, getting your body back, quote, unquote? Oh, man. Well, um, breastfeeding makes your insulin needs go haywire. It's, uh, it makes you really sensitive to insulin, but it's very hard to predict. So you end up having a lot of low blood sugars, and then you're eating extra food to treat the lows. And then for me, breastfeeding just made me starving. So I certainly didn't lose weight breastfeeding. I gained a few pounds once I started breastfeeding. Um, so it, it was it's a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work. And now you're putting these thoughts on paper and sharing them with the world. So tell us a little bit about this project because you actually have a Kickstart fundraising campaign going on for pregnancy and type 1 diabetes. Yes. So Jenny Smith, um, she's from integrateddiabetes.com. She also is a type 1 and a mother. She's a certified diabetes educator, and she and I are writing this pregnancy guide because even though there is a wonderful book out there for women with type 1 and type 2 diabetes, uh, it's called, uh, gosh, 
pre, pregnancy, balancing pregnancy with pre-existing diabetes by Cheryl Alcon. It's a great book, but it's not about the specifics of diabetes management that type ones have to go through every single hour while you're pregnant and you're trying to get your body to think that you're not diabetic by keeping your blood sugars in this tight, perfect little range, which is a lot of work. And so that's what Jenny and I want to give people in this book is that really detailed guidance to like achieving that really tight blood sugar management. And so we're about halfway done with the book. We reached our Kickstarter goal this morning, um, but we're still accepting donations to help cover other costs that come with marketing a book. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited that we reached our goal. <laughs> That's great. So how can people donate if they want to get involved with the project? If you go to Kickstarter and type in pregnancy with diabetes, you'll find us. Great. All right. Well, let's just get back to this body image because, you know, you, on top of diabetes, you have um, celiac disease, you have fibromyalgia. People must have been talking about what you're eating, what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of co- there's a lot of chatter out there as well as like, you, you know, having those muscles. And I'm just again, for our listeners, I think of you as a beautiful, confident woman who ha- has so many talents and gifts. I wonder what you could, what inspiration you could share with our listeners who are kind of struggling with the whole thing. Because as we both know, women living with type 1 out there right now, some of them are scared of even checking their blood sugars in public or, you know, the extra stairs yeah. I get. And, you know, there's, everyone's so self-conscious today when they feel like they're not perfect. You know, so my personal mantra on this is that if I if I view my diabetes and all those tasks and gadgets that have to go with it and giving myself a shot in public, if I view that as something that I'm actually proud of that I have to deal with it every day, then others will view it as something that's worthy of being proud of as well. They'll view it as impressive. If I view it as something that I'm embarrassed by, other people are going to see it and think like, oh, she should be embarrassed by that. They're going to, they're going to sense that. So the more that you wear it on your sleeve with pride, the more other people are going to be impressed instead of freaked out. And I really think if somebody is acting weird about your diabetes, it it might be really because you're acting weird about it. And so it it really comes from you and how you present it. It's kind of like our good friend Reva Greenberg says about being a warrior, not a worrier. Yeah. And now we're getting a message from Facebook. What does Ginger feel about John Legend's wife, Chrissy? uh, She's got a lot of haters, apparently, because she looks so good after the birth of her daughter, Luna. You know, she's now showing herself in a crop top. Have you seen these photos of her? I saw that photo, and there were some funny comments saying, oh, she had a surrogate, and I'm pretty sure she didn't have a surrogate. God bless Chrissy Teigen. Clearly, she's got awesome genetics. I think, you know, just as we don't want to hate on women who are struggling to get their belly back to where they'd like it to be after pregnancy, I'm not sure why it's okay to hate on the ones that naturally do get there, you know? I mean, that clearly wasn't a Photoshop image. Maybe she had some surgery. Who knows? We don't need to hate on her because of that, you know? No, I agree. And, you know, uh, Ginger, we have have something in common. I mean, Diabetes Daily really... Uh, reaches both people living with type 1 and type 2 diabetes as well as gestational, at risk, and affected by. A lot of times people think we're mixing uh, apples and oranges. (laughs) How do you guys deal with it as the editorial director for Diabetes Daily and how you tackle, you know, these very different 
states of one chronic illness. Yeah, I mean, our policy is that, yes, the diseases are different, but we support both types and the people that live with both types, and we have respect for both types, and we don't tolerate people disrespecting either type. Um, so when there's bashing on one type versus the other, we try to put a, you know, a quick stop to that, and we really believe everybody's worthy of respect and support. Who cares if you agree on how you got diabetes or what caused it and all of that stuff? It doesn't matter. You're still worthy of respect and support. So that's our policy. And, you know, our policy is we love all types of divas and dudes and always have and always will. <laughs> so thank you for being <laughs> on the show. Uh, check out Divas Daily and go to Ginger's Kickstart campaign now and help her put out her next book, which I know will have you back on the show when it comes out. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, May's Steve Inspiration, L. King, looks at love from a variety of perspectives on her debut album, Love Stuff, including being addicted to someone, even when you know it's wrong. Ooh, we've all been there, right? Let's listen to Under the Influence, courtesy of Sony Music. Welcome to Divey's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. Our Diva Inspiration, Elle King, who you just heard, admits when she was growing up that she struggled with her weight and her appearance. But her mom always told her that she was beautiful. And even though a lot of moms say that, she said her mom really made her believe it. Well, if you don't have a mom like that in your life, guess what? You've got some uh, good luck coming up because best-selling author, radio show host, weight loss expert, and the Huffington Post, Top diet and nutrition expert Lori Shemek is here with me to shed some inspiration on body image and diabetes. Welcome, Dr. Lori, back to the show. Hi. Thank you. It's great to be back here, Matt. Yay. We love having you on the show. I love being here. Thank you. This is, a, this is really a polarizing topic for people, uh, body right. image and diabetes, especially when you get into the body labeling. Uh, Amy Schumer recently made headlines by uh, the fact that, I think it was Glamour Magazine, uh, labeled her as being plus size, and she took offense to it because she said she's really, I believe, a size four or six, and she thought the fact that they were calling her plus size was really uh, – bad for girls because she felt like that wasn't true and it was very misleading and she didn't want people to think her that size is plus size what are your thoughts on that well i you know i am in agreement because i think that um unfortunately consciously or subconsciously our children uh and people in general adults as well take these messages so if we're hearing that a size four or six is plus size then what's to happen Right? What is going to become of the image, the the body image these young girls or even young boys have of themselves? So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, through the through the decades, what we view as attractive changes all the time. Back in you know. 60 years ago, like even in the 1950s, for example, women um, were expected to have 
curves, lots of them. And so you look at pictures from even in the 1900s, for example, you'll see a lot of Zaftig figures, if you will. So, you know, things have changed, and in, in now we're in the skinny zone, or we were, and we're becoming more accepting of people that are overweight or what we what we now look at as actually normal weight because the average woman is um, about 160 pounds. And um, so if you look at it from whatever period of time you use that as a marker, then it can be either underweight or it could be overweight. So, um, you know, but in terms of health, that's a whole different, that's a whole different story. Well, wait, I just want to say, you know, like for, for the last, 50 years, we've been being sold this thing with the Audrey Hepburns, the Diana Rosses, the Jane Fondas on the cover of magazines, and they've all admitted on some level, I don't know about Audrey Hepburn, but the other two have admitted to having eating disorders. And yet America and the rest of the world is getting bigger and bigger. So, you know, this, this, this fight against it, saying that by putting plus-size people on the covers of magazines or curvy people. I don't want to use that plus size term and I've been using it 50 times already tonight, but <laughs> by putting them on the cover, we're, you get we're what promoting you focus it. On, Max. We're promoting it. But the truth is for the right. last 50 years, uh, we have, it's not working the reverse. You can't, you can't prove to me by putting someone who's underweight on the cover, or even, you know, the models for all those years in the eighties, nineties. I mean, you're always reading about, um, someone who's had some kind of eating disorder or, you know, was just unhealthily skinny, uh, they haven't been actually encouraging or motivating people to lo- to stay fit. So I think, right. you know, on some level, we want to see ourselves on the cover of these magazines now. We want to see ourselves in the movies. We want to see ourselves on TV screens. And we want to we be able to be who we are and not feel like we're being ridiculed or perse- persecuted for being a different size than what's being projected. No, that's really well stated, absolutely. And, you know, this is the thing, okay? If somebody wants to lose weight and, you know, weight on the body is inflammatory, okay? That's just a known fact. But if they want to lose weight, it's about accepting yourself now. It doesn't matter if you're accepting of your if you like the way you look it doesn't matter if you you know it's it's accepting who you are right now at the weight you are or however you look and so the poet you had on earlier she was magnificent in how she stated it she was clear about this is the body i have and this is the only one i'm going to have and um and to appreciate it and i think uh that that's what we need to do instead of you know, um, uh, honoring and idolizing thinness, we need to honor us as people, who we really are. And it's, it's not Pollyanna. It's really what needs to happen because when you start from a place of self-acceptance, then you can move forward and do what you want with your life. If you're happy with your weight, then that's fine. If you're not happy with your weight, then you're still loving who you are as you move forward, as you lose the weight. And it's getting tougher because I just read how um, in psychology today that selfies frequently trigger perceptions of self-indulgence or attention. They could actually make damage you and the way you see yourself and give you low self-esteem because you don't look 
as good as you thought. You don't, whatever that right. is, younger, hipper, sexier, thinner, whatever, you know what I mean? So, I mean, how how do you get over that? If we're already kind of facing a, a you know, we're kind of, a, the culture around us is kind of against us trying to love just who we are, and here we start taking photos of ourselves, and we're not even happy with our photos. <laughs> you know, we've all been there, right? We've oh, had gosh, that I could have a filter yeah. on, a, on a photo for the rest of my life. Oh, me too. I heard Raquel Welch used to travel with her own lights when she did TV shows, and I'm two steps away from that, people. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's funny, Max. So, yeah, and it is, it's, it's, it is dangerous, especially, you know, they've developed these filters, okay? We're not accepting of who we are. And, you know, it's, it's the more women are exposed to selfies and other photos on social media of other people, not just yourself, the more you compare yourself negatively to your friends, to strangers, or whatever. So if, you, if you're spending time on Facebook, for example, or Twitter or whatever, and um, you're comparing yourself, to these women, these young ladies or these young men, then you're really going to, to suffer negative body image. And uh, it's, you know, and so, for example, if you even if you have a selfie that you're not so pleased about, accept it, move on, it is what it is, because when your personal satisfaction with a selfie is high, then your your ego is is dependent upon that. And when it's not so good, when the approval of the selfie, you get one like or you get nothing, your your self esteem goes down south. Okay, so it's really important to um, love who you are and not compare yourself to other people. It's hard because we're hardwired to compare. That's how we learn in the world. Uh, But it's really gotten to a point where it's out of control in terms of the media's influence with uh, changing our perception of what beautiful is. We're all inherently beautiful and worthwhile people. And uh, it's really sad when you see young girls that are nine years old that are worried about how fat they are. And, um, you know, one of, thing, one of uh, the things that bugs me is the statement, I feel fat. When I hear a little girl say that, it's even an adult, it's not even accurate because fat is not a feeling. Fat is something that you have on your body that you carry on your body. So there are things... Well, I want to ask you about that for a minute because, you know, we just had Mother's Day and I just saw The Meddler Mm -hmm. starring Susan Sarandon, which I'll be downloading with my mother later tonight. But, you know, how do moms affect us? I I don't want to point the finger at moms. I mean, Ginger Vieira was on the show. She's a new mom. I hate to make her guilt tripper for the rest of her life. But parents, not just the moms, but the dads too or the other, the, the partner or spouse who's raising the child, uh, you know, they they have a significant influence on this as well, you know, and, and certainly some of that messaging comes uh, through loud and clear, especially as children age into those teen years and their 20s and 30s and even older. Yes, I think it's important that parents stay neutral and in, reinforce the fact that their children are inherently beautiful and worthwhile, as I mentioned earlier, because... If you go either way, you're so cute, you're so beautiful, it's going to those are messages, right? And the opposite is true. So if you indicate, um, well, that's going to make you fat. No, you don't want to eat that because that makes you fat. Focus on instead health. Health is always 
the best way to go. And that way they learn modeling that's healthy in, in many ways. And it's very inspiring when I see a mother that is is focused in that way and isn't directed about weight because children, they don't have the power within them that they're, they're aware of uh, to, for example, if they're overweight, to make changes. So once the parent helps them through the focus of health, then things change and the power is instilled and uh, success, hopefully, for the child. But, yeah, it's always important to make sure that those messages don't reach your children. They have enough of it out in the public, out in society, and so we want to make sure that, you know, their time on social media is limited that they're going to experience these, this comparing, if you will, in many places. So let's keep it good for them at home. Well, now, before you go, I have two more questions. I have mm-hmm. two divas in my head, and I know I'm probably going to get beat up on Facebook for this, but that's fine. People <laughs> can send me comments. I love um, all right, so we have two divas. I want to get your advice on what you would say to these divas. You have the one diva. She's older. Uh, she's heavier, and she continually says to herself, I'm fat, I hate my body, and I gave diabetes to myself, specifically mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes. And then the second diva who I would like you to talk about is the younger uh, diva. She's thinner, she's a type 1, and she feels she gave diabetes to herself too, and through her self-loathing and hating, she's begun to get involved in maybe some risky behaviors around eating on the opposite end where she's uh, – like uh, Ginger mentioned, and we'll be talking to Asha Brown later to get her first-hand experience on uh, um, diabolemia, but around the eating disorder, because there's two spectrums here, and we do talk to both Mm -hmm. type 1s and type 2s, but let's talk with the first one. How do you change those thoughts in your head that it's, you know, because these things to me go hand in hand. I hate myself. You said this earlier. We have to love ourselves in order to take care of our health. But I hate myself. I gave myself diabetes. How do you kind of change that mentality where the body image is really feeding into, in a negative way, self-management of your diabetes? Right. And I would say both, you know, both of them uh, need the same type of input, okay? So what you want to do is you want to really – understand that, you know, successful change begins with an ideal, a vision, okay? And you want to, obviously, you want to understand and and, uh, help the young lady or the older woman understand that they really are wonderful people. They're inherently worthwhile people, and that's what we're after. That's what we want to really develop and uh, encourage them to believe within themselves. And then you want to also uh, help develop a practice of becoming aware of what you think and changing your thoughts in each moment. So for the older woman who's negative, has a negative body image, that's very important because we women that have negative body image tend to beat ourselves up. We look in the mirror for one, or don't look in the mirror, and it's it's just bruising constantly of the ego, okay, and the self-esteem. And the other, the uh, one thing I'd like to point out is that there's only one true force in this world, and that is love, and that focusing on treating yourself with love and respect 
is very important. So always love who you are. And for the, the late young lady with type 1, it is not her fault. She, she, there are no lifestyle choices that create type 1 diabetes. And so, yes, negative body image can result and often does in um, um, issues like anorexia or bulimia. But it's, um, she has something that needs to be dealt with on, in a different way. It's something that you really can't uh, sit down and have a discussion with and motivate her, but through time you can. And so um, that would be that would be my advice. So, you know, consistently look at the best of what you have to offer in life, and resist comparing yourself to others, and knowing that you are a beautiful person. Well, you're a beautiful person, and I love taking on the hard topics with you and having you back. Oh, okay, thank, thank you, you so Dr. Lori, for joining us tonight and, and shedding some light on this topic. I think it's thank valuable you, for listeners. All right, it's time to meet one of our Charlie's Angels of Outreach. She's a certified diabetes educator from Atlanta, Georgia. Please welcome Patricia Addy Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Meg. Happy to be here. Happy Mother's Day to you. Um, you know, we're talking about body image and diabetes, and you just heard me talking to Dr. Lori. We are talking about, you know, some of the uh, negatives associated with it for both the type 1 and type 2. Later on, I'll be talking to Asher Brown, the founder of We Are Diabetes, about diabulimia. Give us a little bit uh, a background on that from a health perspective of what that is actually, and then, and then I want to further the discussion with you a little bit around this body image and type 2. Well, um, for people with diabetes, uh, whether they have type 1 or type 2 diabetes, they're constantly surrounded with the dilemma of what do I eat. Um, You know, even if you don't try to focus on food, it's something that you can't escape. Counting carbs and being cognizant about what you're putting in your mouth. Um, So it it puts you in a... um, in the you know uh, atmosphere of having to concentrate and forever be faced with that particular part of dealing and self-management. So from a perspective of managing diabetes, um, body image tends to be a part because food is what we need for energy, and it also can be used against us if we're not managing properly. So you're saying, like, you know, it's something that you have to – it does happen to a lot of people. Someone out there is listening and they're feeling like they're food-obsessed. It's kind of a normal thing in managing your diabetes to go through. Which way you go with that is completely up to you, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes to having the diagnosis of diabetes, everybody, every person, whether they have diabetes or not – have a body image that impacts their lifestyle. And so we can look at that as being somewhat like an emotional attitude about ourselves. And how we feel about ourselves can be healthy or it can be unhealthy. And when you have that healthy feeling of, of about yourself, then we tend to care more about ourselves. We are emotionally intact. We want the best outcome. We are trying to increase activity, we exercise, and we take medication or whatever, whether it's diabetes, high blood pressure, or whatever chronic condition there may be, you care about it and and you take extra precaution to make sure that you're well managed. 
when it comes to a person with one of those um, attitudes that may not be so un- be as quite as healthy, then sometimes you will find a lot of mismanagement, especially in the area of diabetes and those who are on insulin. Knowing that insulin increases weight, it tends to make you gain weight. Then, especially younger um, people who deal with diabetes tend to. I wouldn't say that across the board this happens, but in a great, uh, pretty high percentage of younger women with diabetes who are insulin dependent, they definitely um, have thoughts about decreasing the dosage and doing the kinds of things to allow them to lose a little weight, especially um, maybe around surrounding some event or something that may be happening where they feel they need to drop a few pounds. Right. Or, you know, I could also see even guys hating their diabetes so much and thinking if I don't take insulin, it's going to go away, and then having to deal with that way too, you know, kind of playing a Russian roulette with just the idea like I hate taking injections, I hate everything to do with this, and just completely going, um, avoiding it. Now, I uh, and I'll be talking to Asher Brown a little bit later in more detail, everybody, and getting her Uh, professional and personal perspective on this. I want to turn it back to type 2 because I think the doctors are to blame, and if you want to email me with hate mail, you can at Facebook, that's no problem, but doctors are always telling type 2s you've got to lose weight, and that body image is right there. That negativity begins right there. That's the first thing when you're dieting, and and maybe I'm stereotyping and it's okay because I hear enough of these stories over the past 11 years to say, I believe this is true, that the majority of people living with type 2 when they go to the doctor's office are immediately told if you just lost weight, you wouldn't have diabetes, and immediately start it start the anger issues right there and the and the self-hate and loathing begins right off the bat. And that that's interesting and quite true. A lot of doctors will say that and um it it weight has an impact on management. If you have a diagnosis of diabetes, weight loss can help you better manage it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you no longer have diabetes. But weight becomes a constant factor and a constant in the conversation uh, when, when these patients go and see their doctor, just lose weight, just lose weight. And it's not as easy uh, to do as it sounds when there's medication involved and sometimes there are other factors involved, sometimes there are... Uh, other autoimmune conditions, you you tend to find a lot of thyroid problems in people with diabetes. You also find autoimmune problems like rheumatoid arthritis. And so it's kind of difficult for a lot of these uh, people with a new diagnosis to lose the weight, especially when we're looking at type 2s. And sometimes you also, you're dealing with the fact that the person already has um, a pretty high BMI. So they're overweight from the beginning, and that may have, the being overweight is a factor that may have pushed them over the edge from prediabetes into diabetes, but small steps can bring big rewards, and it's not necessary to beat up on a person to get them to lose the weight. If you can get them to understand the physiological uh, causes of what's going on with them, then they have a better understanding of how to better manage it. And if they're losing a pound here and there, it's better than not losing anything at all. Well, and that's why if I saw Ashley Graham on the cover of Sports Illustrated 
with all her curves, it would inspire me. I mean, you know, I have a six-pack. Unfortunately, it's buried under a little bit of fat, but it's there, people. And I'm, you know, like I'm never going to be Brad Pitt. I don't, that's not my, you know, but the idea of someone's beating me down like my doctor or healthcare provider. If I saw a picture of Ashley Graham, who was the lingerie U.S. model who made the cover of Sports Illustrated, everyone, if you're not familiar with that, uh, you know, that's inspiring. And this idea that people are turning it against you know, making it sound unhealthy and that she's promoting that really drives me crazy because it's not so much about what I feel about myself. It's about what everyone else feels around me about myself and the projection they're putting on me that I, because my waist size is not within the realm, that I'm suddenly unhealthy and that I brought this on myself. And, I, you know, I'm just curious to know, like, how do you feel about seeing Ashley Graham on the cover of that magazine or seeing Melissa McCarthy or Queen Latifah uh, stepping out on the red carpet and looking fabulous and not having to uh, lose the weight or diet themselves down to nothing in order to be considered beautiful. And that's a constant um, struggle, I'll say, that we have when we work with people with diabetes because everybody has their own physique and you may not be um, your genes may not dictate that you're going to ever look like the people you're looking um, at on the cover of a magazine, but it's all about becoming happy with who you are. Um, the poetry from Lorraine was right on target. You have to understand who you are and become comfortable with who you are. Not that you shouldn't strive to be better. We all should regardless, but we may not ever have the physique of the people who we're looking at on the cover of a magazine, the Barbie well, and doll. Have, and our health care professionals have to adapt that attitude, too, and allow Absolutely. us to be who we are. So like Dr. Laurie said, so we can love ourselves to take care of our health. Uh, stay, Stick around, Patricia, because we're going to bring Asher Brown in, and then later on we've got Style Boomer founder Catherine Schuler coming in. But right now I want to bring in um, Asher Brown because Cheryl Teague said some really nasty things about Ashley Graham, uh, Cheryl Teagues, if you don't remember, she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I think, <clears throat> back at the turn of the century, no, in the 1970s, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, she had a problem with Ashley Graham's curves and said it was promoting uh, an unhealthy behaviors. Let's bring in Asha Brown. She's the founder of We Are Diabetes. It's an amazing organization, an incredible resource. And she was on our uh, Diabetes Mystery Radio podcast last year, Phantom of the Okra. Please welcome Asha Brown. Hi, Asha. Hi, Matt. We're talking all about body image and diabetes. Your name, as you've heard, I'm sure, has come up several <laughs> times throughout the night. Uh, you know, you're. You're, you live with type 1 diabetes. You really focused your um, advocacy and helping promote uh, support and awareness for type 1 uh, women and men living with diabetes who suffer from eating disorders. And we should point out that there are a lot of men who suffer from eating disorders too. That is very true. And actually, that's a great point to bring up right now because, um, you know, I, I what I was hearing through all these conversations is all of these um, you know, um, messages from, from the media promoting perfection for women. But that is just as uh, constant and um, as just as much of an issue for males in our society right now. 
Um, you know, it's there's a there's a persona of a muscular, strong, lean jawed guy with a six pack kind of thing, and and there's a lot of guys who feel pressure as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I feel like I came of age in a, uh, without social media, and I, I feel very uh, thankful for that because it didn't really affect me the way I think it affects other people. But let's talk a little bit about body image and diabetes and go back in your uh, younger years. Did How did you feel about your body, and how did you feel about your body in regards to diabetes, and then how did you feel about your body in regards to you know, your self-confidence um, as well? Sure. You know, I unfortunately spent a, a third of my life miserable with my body, and um, and it was directly correlated to living with type 1. I felt very broken. Um, I felt that I couldn't do as much as someone without type 1 diabetes. I felt that type 1 was dictating me to have a body size that I didn't want. Um, I felt like all the obstacles were just too much, and so I rebelled by developing a very dangerous eating disorder um, that almost killed me and um, almost, well, first, almost ruined my marriage also and, um, and almost killed me. So I, 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 I was so angry for many reasons, but I was very, very disconnected to my body. I didn't see my body as something that had actually um, overcome quite a lot of physical health challenges and multiple chronic illnesses. I didn't see it for the strength and the uniqueness that it was. I just saw it as broken, and I was angry at what, um, at what it wasn't instead of what it was. I wasn't able to celebrate anything that it could do. Well, and you heard Dr. Lori talking about how it's not one conversation, it's many conversations exactly. that kind of... Yes. And and did you agree with that? And and how oh, did you, yes, what yes. changed in your journey? You know, for me, I spent years and years being in a lot of denial, and I was very ashamed of what I was doing because I was such a strong person in so many other re- regards of my life, but it was so was so weak in this that I couldn't even, you know, really talk about it or, or bring it up to any of my loved ones. But it is not just one conversation. Uh, perhaps one conversation stimulates the uh, uh, evolvement of getting treatment or help or um, seeing, seeking a therapist and moving into um, a, a long process of change. But um, recovery from an eating disorder or, or um, working with a therapist to work on body image issues doesn't uh, happen overnight, but it starts with making the effort and wanting to change. So that's all you need. You just need to want to change and you, you need to want to feel um, to feel peace with your body versus anger. Well, now you have that extra le- level of working in the entertainment industry and uh, being a child actor and also seeing these images. I'm just curious, like, were the Im- did images of women or men in, uh, looking back on your childhood, of, how did that affect your body image? Did they? And how did oh, you get being a peer in that? Um, were you feeling pressured? in the industry to look a certain way at that time too? Yeah. You know, I absolutely was. And I hate to ever, you know, there's not ever one factor that, that brings a person to start developing an eating disorder, but it really was a, a, a bad situation, a, a treacherous situation. Um, 
to grow up, you know, and I was a performer and doing independent films all through, uh, you know, grade school, middle school, and high school. And through that time as an adolescent, growing up with type 1 diabetes, your body evolves and changes differently than your peers. And it was very hard for me emotionally to to accept that I was just going to be a little different and I was going to um, I was going to grow differently and, and perhaps have a few years where my body, you know, was evolving. Um, so it was very, very emotionally difficult for me. And I did spend a lot of time looking outwardly and comparing myself to images and, and other bodies that were not my own. And now, what do you think of this whole selfie culture thing? You heard me talking about psychology today, actually stating that selfies today are are becoming are so harmful as well for this whole idea about body image and how we see ourselves and 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 have such a negative impact on us. You know, I really tried to see the good in selfies. I really did. I really gave them a good chance. But unfortunately, what selfies do, in my opinion, and what I feel Facebook does as well, is it gives everyone a platform to put to present a false representation of themselves with the filters and putting on a lot of makeup and finding these camera angles that you know make them look thinner. They they want to present the only the best parts of themselves, and then vulnerable people seeing that say, wow, that was just a snapshot, and I look like crap when I take my selfie, but they don't know the tricks. They don't know all of the manipulative effects that can go into taking a perfect selfie. So I'm not a fan, Max. I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's a, a, a distraction from us getting a little more um, balanced and going a little more internal with self-love. I think it's a, an outward distraction, and I, I don't think it helps promote good body image. Well, and you coach women right now around eating disorders related to diabetes. Have you talked about selfies with them? Has this come up in any of the discussions? I'm just curious. It certainly does. You know, when, when I, the women I work with, when we're working together, they're usually in a, a hibernation mode because they're going through so much. So they rarely are ever in a mood to take a selfie when they're kind of in that recovery process. But what makes it difficult is when they have friends or family or whatnot that are big into selfies. And, um, you know, in the recovery process, it's kind of about trying to tune out, you know, spending too much time in the mirror and tune out taking exorbitant amounts of pictures of yourself and it's time to tune in. So what we try to focus on is tuning in and kind of trying to let go of some of those social distractions that are really not necessary um, or that really make you feel good internally. Well, I have two more questions. I'm going to bring in Catherine Schuler. Body image and diabetes, it's not talked about that much on social media. Do you find that? I mean, your organization really has hit a chord because no one's really – I feel like you kind of opened the floodgates for something that wasn't really talked about. And I'm just wondering, like, what what your feeling about the whole community is and, and what we're talking about, you know, what what's getting the most lip service and maybe what deserves more lip service. You know, I have found that although there was not a, a, a major outlet before We Are Diabetes to talk about it, that um, almost everyone I know who, with either kind of diabetes has body image issues. And there is just, there, there, there needs to be more opportunities to talk about it so that we all understand we're all really on the same page and we've all had self-doubt and um, times where we're, we're not super happy with ourselves. Um, 
the conversation needs to be continued. All right, and final question before we bring in Catherine Schuler, because I know she's going to have an opinion about this. I'm not uh, – I want to get your opinion on Amy Schumer, because, you know, uh-huh. most of these women, like Kim Kardashian, are airbrushing themselves into smaller sizes that they actually aren't and portraying that without a problem. Here's a woman, when you see her on talk shows and certain shows, she always, you know, she's stated that her, ar- her, ar- her arms are considered legs in L.A., you know, that they're so, <laughs> so much bigger. And she's kind of always joked about her size not being model thin. She's been next to... Um, the Hunger Games, I can't think of her name. It escapes me. The big actress. Right. Jen- oh, no, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. And she kind of always yeah. plays the bigger sister, you know, on, and, and mm-hmm. just find that any way you want, listeners. And here she is then firing back at Glamour for using her name on the cover and, and saying that she uh, is plus size and she's saying that she isn't, which I, I'm sure she isn't, but it's just so strange to me that she's kind of playing this game in a very dangerous way. I don't, I, I don't like it personally. You know, I think, unfortunately, what Amy Schumer did is she pigeonholed herself in the beginning by kind of outwardly, you know, throwing out all this stuff, like, you know, I'm a bigger girl, whatever, my leg, my uh, arm is considered a leg in L.A. and stuff. And so she almost chose that as a platform for her comedy and kind of one of her topics. And so it, I agree, it's almost a dangerous uh, teeter-totter, if you will, because our culture, unfortunately, we have to label everything. And I really liked what Lorraine said in the in the beginning about I wish there, there I hope there's a time where we don't consider this uh, this woman showing this picture after pregnancy brave. It just is, you know, because for some reason we have these very odd societal uh, ideas of how people should look, and and um, we have a very strange, uh, really really uh, exaggerated view of what normal is with bodies. Um, because of how the media portrays them. But Amy Schumer, um, I hope that she finds a, a moderate place where we can continue to celebrate her comedy and it's not always about body image with her because she's a very talented woman, but she's talented for more than just her jokes about her body. Absolutely. Okay, now we're going to bring in one of my favorite guests. She's been working with us at Diva Bedic for over 11 years. Please welcome uh, Catherine Schuler. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Max. How I know are you've you? been hearing this whole conversation. Oh Let's just God. jump I'm in. Uh, what do you think of this Amy Schumer? Well, you know, the thing is, is with Amy Schumer or anyone who gets into the business, the entertainment business, even Luther, it's not just about your talent. It's about how you look. So she got thrust into being a model, into a, being a role model, and she really was just a comedian. We didn't have Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers and Cody Fields being, you know, glamour icons in our day, but suddenly, because they're on the cover of magazines, they get thrust into that body issue, that, that, that image issue, and unfortunately, they get criticized because they have to make a statement. And I kind of agree with her when she says that, you know, I, I'm plus. A woman looking at me thinking I'm plus and she's, not, and she's a size 22, she's going to have a serious disconnect there. So that's, I'm kind of on her side when she says don't label me because I'm more just a talent. I'm just a comedian. But now I'm suddenly becoming a role model and a model. 
Now you're making me talk about my body? Oh, Lord. So, you know, let me make some jokes about it. <laughs> well, do you do you think uh, body labeling in general is harmful and hurtful? Yes, absolutely. I mean, Are you against plus size, plus size as a term? No, because to me it was empowering because I found out, because I was trying to diet myself down to be 114 pounds, and, a size, and, and at my size, that isn't a healthy weight for me because I am, I don't naturally want to be 114 pounds and, and, and 5'10". So for me, it was an empowering term. In 1978, that was a term of empowerment. Special sizes, not so much, because when I first came into the industry, it was large sizes and special sizes. But plus, who doesn't want to be a plus? you got an A+. Plus. plus is a good term. So for me, it was empowering. So now we're talking about all this, throw out the plus, plus is equal, down with plus, plus is, you know. So, you know, it's become hashtag hell as far as I'm concerned because I think that the plus size empowered me. Well, go back a little bit, Catherine, because you just mentioned a little bit of your career. So you, you, you know, you're gorgeous. <laughs> you always have been. <laughs> But at one time you were attempting to be a straight model, and then you began a successful career plus modeling. Just tell everyone a little bit about your background. Oh well, I went to Ford, and they, you know, I shot my book, and they told me, um, you know, you, you're too heavy. She slammed the, literally slammed the book on me, handed me my portfolio, and I, and I was crestfallen. So I was like, ah, screw this, I have this demon camera. I'm going to go, and I'm going to become an actress where, there, where there's no cameras, and I'm going to become a comedian where there's no cameras, because it was 1978. So I became uh, a comedian, and I started a uh, comedy group called The Nerve, and it was The Nerve to Be Yourself, because everyone else in my group was misfit, were all misfits. So we all figured, you know, we were good, and God, gosh darn it, we were deserving, and everybody liked us. So we were funny, and let's get a group together. So I... I found my voice with the nerve. Lo and behold, six years later, I'm doing comedy, you know, lambasting everything from Jerry Falwell to Swagger to Prey TV to finance to media. And lo and behold, Ford comes back and says, you want a plus size model? (laughs) I said, you want to write for my act? Because I never heard those two terms together. So now, now there's this new thing coming up. It's plus size modeling, and it's a double digit thing. You have to be a 14. And I'm like, sign me up. So for me, it was empowering because I found that I didn't have to diet. In fact, I had to pad up sometimes for some clients. And if for if to sign a voucher and and make $250 an hour, being who I was and who I was comfortable at being, and I didn't have to diet to get there. Was very very empowering, and I was one of the only plus size models on the runway when I did these shows. And the women would stand up and cheer, and I would get backstage, and the models were saying, "What were you doing out there, cartwheels?" And I said, "No, I'm just them. They see me, and they see that I'm a real woman, and that finally they get heard and they get clothing." So that that started it for me. I got hooked, and I became a spokesperson and a role model. So what do you think of someone like Cheryl Teagues going after Ashley Graham and saying that she's promoting fat? Yeah, I, you know, that she had to renege on that big time. And they showed this horrible, like, over 
Botox picture of her and, and like, wah, wah, wah. And, you know, she had to renege on that because I think she meant to say that she thought Ashley was enabling women to feel like they could, you know, gain weight or something. And I think she realized that, oh, she kind of overstepped her bounds because she lives in that thin world. And she doesn't realize that that prejudice and that, oh, come on, just, you know, that's why they never gave us clothes as plus-size women, because they figured we would get thin if we wanted to look good. And that is the mentality that someone like she has, you know, and my sister even has that. You know, it's kind of like just, you know, you really need to be as, as thin as you possibly can be. And that isn't really what I want to spend my time doing. I want to be as healthy as I possibly can be. So healthy is the new skinny for me. But I, I thought that, you know, Cheryl, she had to, she had to backtrack because she realized she overstepped her bounds and she said something that was way too controversial and way too old school and way too dinosaur in its approach. All right. Well, you know, someone's listening tonight and, you're kind of reiterating a lot of what Dr. Lori said earlier about love yourself right now in order to take mm-hmm. care of your health. There's a lot of women who are plus size, since you like the term, who are mm-hmm. listeners as well as men. What are a couple of tips you could give them right now about loving themselves and loving who they are right now? Because we both know that when you're not feeling good in your own skin, a lot of times you don't tend to dress up or or clean up. You just kind of get through the day and it rolls into the next day and so on and so on. Of course, I'm generalizing, but you know where I'm going with this. And I'm curious to know what kind of tips you have on that. Well, I just came from the Empowerment Summit at the UN yesterday where there were a room of 200 full-figured, curvy, ample. Jill Scott was there. Everybody who was anybody in this business was there. And we all agreed that who you are right now deserves to be celebrated and take it for what it is and go for it. And, you know, you can't even start a diet program until you accept yourself right now. So accept who you are. Really don't ever leave the house because we get judged so harshly because of our size. And, oh, look, she let herself go. Never give them a chance to talk about you. So always have your makeup flawless. Have your, your, your um, dress, your, you know, just your style. Put that out there because the world will be the path to you because everyone is attracted to positivity. Even if it's coming from a quote-unquote negative place, like being too fat. I mean, I heard a saying about what, what would I think about a picture I saw when I thought it was fat now? I mean, I, you know, I looked at my arms in a picture 20 years ago, and I was like, I'd kill for those arms right now. So you have to love yourself now because there's no regrets and there's no looking back and you've got to get out the door, and people respond to positivity. They do not respond to size as much as energy and as much as dynamism and as much as you put your polish and put yourself together. That's what they're going to respond to. They're not going to look at, oh, she let herself go, and look at that, the sweatpants and the, the stains on her clothing, and she's thrown up in flip-flops. That's what they'll respond to. You don't take your diva attitude like we always say and put it to good use and get out the door looking amazing the world will be to pass you i guarantee it just try it try it i do i i go no makeup sweat i don't get nearly the respect as when i put myself together and then if i ask a question to some a, a guard or a, or a security person they stand up at attention because they look at me and they say oh she's got herself together i love it all right well 
You know what else they respond to is games, and they love style <laughs> games. And for the half, the last half of the year, we've been playing which shoe do you do our style game. We're going to uh, Asher Brown, the founder yeah, of We Are yeah. Diabetes. It's time to get We Are Fabulous for a minute. And uh, you're going to play our style game, which shoe do you do? But first, everybody, we're going to listen to another song, because it's been too long, from our diva inspiration, Elle King. You know, she plays the guitar, but she also plays the banjo. And on this song, she's playing the banjo. Let's take a listen, courtesy of Sony Music. Catherine Schuler, we've got our contestant, Asher Brown. Tonight's Which Shoe Do You Do game puzzle features our diva inspiration, Al King, and an outfit she wore on the red carpet at the Entertainment Award, Entertainment News uh, Today Award Show. Uh, she's pictured, in the, and I posted it on Facebook, everyone. Uh, I'm sorry, it was in the Entertainment Weekly Award Show. She's wearing a lovely feminine floral dress, three-quarters length. It looks like it's got a chiffon. It's chiffon, right? It's a it's a beautiful dress, right, Catherine Schuler? And she's paired yes. it with a leather bomber that's encrusted with uh, rhinestones, kind of like Elvis. And I, I feel like she embodies that kind of bombshell blonde with a little Deborah Harry in between and a little Stevie Nicks action going on. So the three shoes, <laughs> Asha, you're going to get to choose from are the first one is a pair of black flats with a floral pattern, and then it has a polka dot design inside the shoe. The second pair is a pair of red suede flats with a scalloped edge around the shoe, mm-hmm. and the third yeah. pair is a men's-style lace-up dress shoe with, like, a silver inlay. Right, Catherine? Did you want to add anything to Well, it's kind of a spectator, more of a okay, retro so spectator. Spectator. Okay, so wait. Asha, did you you don't tell us yeah. your answer yet? Did you see the picture? I did. Okay, so hold that thought. We're gonna just we've got another L King song that I found that we're gonna play, so our listeners okay. could go over to Facebook and make sure they check out which shoe do you do puzzle. Let's hear that song and then we're gonna get your answer. Here we go. Okay. We have to keep that for the rest of our life at Diabetes Late Night. I mean, it's a perfect, like, countdown song. All right, I know you were sweating over that, Asher Brown. Well, Catherine and I were rocking out. Um, I know. Uh, all right, so, Asher, which shoe are you choosing? I am choosing the red scalloped flat, the, the one in the middle. Nice. Really, oh, Catherine, no. is that your choice? Is that your choice? No, I like the spectator. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, Asha, I'm really shocked. <laughs> I just could it just for me it just didn't it didn't seem to go. I felt like with everything going on, we needed a little something simple at the bottom. It's 
it's a nice option, but it's not the fashion forward one. <laughs> not at all. You know, um, it's a great. I mean, there were three great choices. They're all they're all comfortable shoes. They're all closed toe. Uh, and yes, but the the floral flat with the floral dress. That's too much floral. Oh, I, definitely. I, I know. Yeah. yeah. That that is a clashing floral. <laughs> Yeah. And um, Patricia Eddie Gentle, you're a certified diabetes educator. I know a good rule of thumb for people with diabetes when they're shoe shopping is to avoid sho- shoes with pointy toes. Why is that? Well, um, you want to always avoid pressure. You don't want, and, and the toes are a pressure point. So you don't want to have uh, restrictions on the toes, um, and you don't want all the pressure to 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 protrude down into the toes because you can cause deformities in the way that, you know, in the bony structure, Mm -hmm. and also the nail growth will be altered. So anything that has to do with um, the feet and diabetes, we are really particularly uh, close attention to that because amputations and other um, complications can occur. And, you know, uh, you don't have to compromise style when you're looking for comfortable shoes because there's a great uh, shoe company called Earth Brand Shoes, right, Catherine, that offers tons yeah, of styles. I love them. Uh, lots got of styles three... to choose from. And, and Asher Brown, because you played our diva better, what shoe do you do tonight? And helping us uh-huh. raise awareness in a fun new way. You're going to get a free pair of shoes from Earth Brand Shoes tonight. Wow, even though I lost... <laughs> Even though you lost, and because you lost, it's we're also going to throw in a right. new Naturals gift basket for diabetes-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket filled in an assortment of low-fat cheeses, and Dr. Fe- Dr. Greenfield's diabetes lotions and products, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin. And that's because everyone's a winner at Divabetic. And on wow, Diabetes Play Night. Incredible. You should be wrong more often. Now. I agree. I agree. I love it. <laughs> hey, it's a, put your best shoe forward. It's all. Yeah. There's no such thing as making a mistake. It's all learning lessons. Thanks for being on totally. the show. And, and Catherine, thanks for leading the way with dial, uh, Dazzling Outreach. We're going to see you this Saturday with an yeah. Iowa fashion show. What do you What do you want to say about that? Sight in the city. Va 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 vision. We're having Kimmy T sunglasses which is Bling Central. I mean, I love these glasses. And Miss Glam, I mean, Glam or Fearless, and Miss Glam, a designer, is a match made in heaven. So come on down, and we're going to have a fabulous fashion show with models from the Philadelphia area. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Check out divabag.org for more details. Hey, we're coming up with my final guest, but before we do, we're going to play another song from our diva inspiration, Elle King, who says she loves when people come to see her shows and have a good time. It feels like she's hanging out with friends. Let's listen to one more song from her Love Stealth album. Done. Welcome to the show, Mama Rosemary. Hi, Mama Rosemary. Hi, Mr. Diva Baddock. Hey, um, did you show off your stretch marks when you had me? <laughs> I never had stretch marks. Are you kidding? My perfect <laughs> body image. <laughs> what do you think of that? Would you have done that? Would you have taken a selfie and shown off your stretch marks? 
I doubt it. I doubt I would have done that. Um, I don't have that that kind of self-confidence to have done that. But I admire the people who do. That's wonderful. And I agree with Lorraine. Let's hope that eventually in the future that um, it will not be an issue. It, no one will talk about it. It will be just body image. I love it. All right. Well, what's your tip for this month? Well, you know, we've been talking about body image and self-confidence, so I am going to talk about how to use body language to boost your self-confidence. Self-confidence people tend to see their lives in a positive light even when things aren't going too well. Now, just the simple act of pulling your shoulders back give others the impression that you are a confident person. And smiling, smiling will not only make you feel better, but will make the others feel more comfortable around you. So imagine a person with good posture and a broad smile, and you'll be envisioning envisioning someone who is self-confident. Remember to look at that person that you are speaking to, not only the shoes, but to keep your eye contact with that person. It will show confidence also. So that is my tip for this month of May. Ciao for now. Thanks, Mom. All right, and I want to thank all my guests for being on the show tonight, and thank you especially for tuning in. Uh, please check out all our podcasts at iTunes, DivaBeck.org, and Blog Talk Radio, and follow me on DivaBeck's Facebook page, as well as check out my videos on Mr. DivaBeck's YouTube channel. Plus, you can now subscribe to our monthly newsletter at divabetic.org and get all the tips on uh, for the month to help you glam more, fear less. Remember, every diva and every dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and healthy together. We're going to close the podcast with one more song from L. King, who picked up a pair of Grammy nominations for Best Rock Song and Best Rock Performance for this song, X's and O's, courtesy of Sony Music. I'm the best.